I'm Ariana, and this is my podcast, the REP Podcast. The intention of this space is to explore the art of active surrender and spiritual activism, and what it means to be a leader in times where dogma and external validation seems to be the method through which the collective psyche is being controlled. And so from me, you can expect contradictions and questions that stir the soul, all in an attempt to create space to soften around our edges. And whilst my main jam is to teach about energy medicine, let's be really clear about something. Everything is energy. And so our thoughts, words, actions and intentions all play a part in the application of that medicine. So buckle up, embrace yourself for these subtle yet powerful explorations, my friends. It's so good to have you here. Let's get into it. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the REP podcast. Today, I have Emma Maidment with us. She is a yogi, a mama bear, and she's a studio owner living in Byron Bay. Bay. Byron Bay, yes. Yeah. And um, and I'm just so incredibly grateful that she said yes to come on this podcast because we've got some really good little topics that I want to talk about tonight. So welcome to the podcast, Emma. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So um, I am going to cut straight through everything here and just start talking a little bit about the way in which we bring yoga into our lives. So if you guys have been listening to any of my previous podcasts, you would have noticed that there's a theme that's being thread through. And, and I'm talking a lot to yogis, specifically inquiring as to how they're bringing their yoga practice, that lifestyle into their lives so that we can start to separate this idea of yoga only being performed on the mat in a posture and start to understand that this is really a set of beautiful teachings that we can take into our lives that enrich our lives in beautiful ways. And so what I'm most interested in is talking to Emma about um, how she brings this teaching of non-dualism into her life and also um, a little bit about how you are finding that same theme spanned across now that you're a mum, because that would have changed considerably over the last you know let's say nine months so how yeah. are you finding it <laughs> It's definitely an interesting transition into motherhood. And I, I guess, you know, my partner, I'm very lucky that he's also a yogi. Um, and so, you know, I said to him, it feels like all the work we've done in our life has led us to this moment of being parents because you can see how easy it is to fall into, you know, martyrdom and victimhood and to play out the stories from your childhood and to, you know, just parent in the way that you've been conditioned to parent and, and when you're sleep deprived or oh, I swear on this podcast yes <laughs> all please this comes up <laughs> uh, and so you know I I feel like all the work that we've done on ourselves all the work that we've done on our relationship you know the the way in which we use the yogic teachings and, and infuse that into our life has led us to this moment to be in the pressure cooker of new parents our bubs seven months old and so we're very much in that like 
we're in the trenches, you know, of like constant wake ups and, you know, it's, it's the most beautiful time of our lives. And it's also very challenging because you're just so sleep deprived. Um, it's definitely getting easier. Um, and I definitely would not be able to do this without meditating. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's saving my life. But I guess you see, you know, more than ever as well, when you look at a child, you, you see love, you see the purity, you see the essence, the union, there's no separation between, you know, they're, they're in their astral bodies, I guess, from more of a Steiner perspective, but they're seeing energy that, you know, it's all one thing to them. They're in that like God consciousness state and then that gets programmed out of them. And so our approach to parenting is just like, how can we keep the lights on? You know, how can we not as best we can take those things away from him so that he continues to see, you know, we don't call them imaginary friends. We're like, cool, who's in the room with us? Like, is Lakshmi here? Or like, is that Dodaga? Like, who's come to say hello? Because I wish I could see what he could see. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess it, it's just a beautiful example of seeing, like I look at River, our son, and I'm like, oh, he's this little yogi. Like, he just totally gets it how do we keep him like that? You know, how do we allow him to go on his journey and, and in a way that's supportive and as best as we can trying not to, you know, bring our past conditioning onto him. So yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell with a seven month old, but seemingly it's going well. <laughs> and what are you, this, this is really fascinating because like, you know, a lot of parents would be, um, so try, trying to do it right. And I'm using little air quotes here, you know, and this is this conditioning that you're talking about. And um, how are you trying to keep the lights on? How are you yeah. going about that? Well, we haven't read any parenting books. Number one. Tick. <laughs> Number one. Um, and it's, it, I guess it's for us, it's really intuitive of, you know, we're both, we've both worked with energy for a long time. So, you know, for example, he'll look off, into the distance or around the room and I can tell he's communicating with something or you know he does these things where he's he's what I would perceive as having a full kundalini experience and instead of trying to tell him what that is or put that into a box or tell him to stop wiggling around or you know um, dictate what it is that he's seeing I ask more questions so I'm like and obviously he's seven months old, so he's not completely verbally communicating, but we're starting that patterning young of like, what do you see? What are you experiencing? Who's in the room with us? What are they saying? You know, can you see friends? Can you see fairies? What are they? And just keeping that, I guess, line of communication open. And I think where, you know, I reflect on it from my own childhood is it's, you're told, you know, this, this is what this is. And that's an imaginary friend and that's your imagination. And that's this, this, and this. And, you know, as we get older, it, it's, it's those lights just get dimmed and dimmed and dimmed and dimmed. And, you know, we do the partying and the, all the stuff that we do when we're older and the lights get even, you know, the more toxins we put into our body, the dimmer the lights get. So yeah, from, from that perspective, we're just really encouraging him to be open. And then also we do um, like, I'm already calling in like white light and different things like this and trying to show him as well, like how to protect his energy field. And obviously I'm, we're doing that for him now, but as he gets older, that's, you know, conversations I can't wait to have with him to be like, what are you actually seeing? What are you experiencing? And yeah, I, I think there's just so much conditioning around parenting. Um, and we've just been separated from nature. You know, um, I was reading some studies the other day because we, we co-sleep with River 
And there was a study saying like, it's totally normal for a baby to wake multiple times throughout the night, to spend the night literally suckling on a boob, to want to be close. Like all these things that I'm doing because to me it feels really right and like I can't imagine doing it another way. But I know that, you know, a lot of parents go down a different path because it's what they read in a book or it's what their friends did or it's how they were raised or, and, and you know, babies just become conditioned to it and they go along with it. It's not to say that, that that's wrong or right, but I just think that we've been so far removed from just nurturing our nature and nurturing our instincts and our intuition and being empowered to follow that as a parent. Even if your intuition is like to sleep train or whatever it is, there's always this, this self-doubt that comes up within parenting. And I think, you know, coming back to that conviction of like, no, this is, this is my truth and I'm, and I'm living that truth and I'm doing that in my actions and I'm taking full responsibility for the outcomes and the, you know, either whichever way it goes, it's like you're owning that decision and, and moving in that direction. Mm. And I can imagine that this whole process would not only be something that you're um, setting in place for River, but also something that's completely new for you guys, because obviously you're new parents, but you're then breaking molds of how things were done for you yeah. and how people are telling you to do it, you know, from maybe from. The and also like the, the generational healing that comes from that, you know, it's like at first I could notice it, it kind of really triggered my parents you know, because they, I was very much of the controlled crying generation and, you know, being smacked and all these kinds of things like, and that was just normal and how they parented. And, and then it kind of in a, in a, my own way, trying to explain to them why I'm not doing it that way. And that's, you know, like they did the best they could with what they knew at the time. There's no resentment on my end from that. It's just that new research shows that going back a step before all of that, back to the way that we've perhaps parented before all of these you know, um, rules and regulations and things came in. It's, so there's, there's deep healing within that as well, I think, from you know, the whole ancestral line. He misses starting conversations that probably wouldn't have happened if you hadn't chose something that's different to that which your parents had said. So Yeah, like River, um, we do elimination communication with him. So he poos on the potty. Oh, so yeah. good. Um, we've been doing it since about four weeks old and even our you know our parents and stuff everyone was very very skeptical and then when they came over and saw him literally pooing on a potty everyone's like I guess it actually makes sense like you know then they start questioning why are people why are we using diapers and why do we wait until they're two to potty train them and you know it definitely opens up the dialogue of like oh actually you know sure it's fine to put I mean we still we do a combination of of nappies and EC but yeah, most of his poos he does on the potty and he's super happy about it. And, you know, it's just, it sounds kind of, it's weird that it sounds weird, but, you know, why do we start doing that at two? Where does that come from, you know? Right, right. And so for those uh, listeners who've never heard of this, um, this potty training, yeah. can you explain it to them, please? So again, I was going to read a book on it, but I did. <laughs> it seems like this is working out for you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's called elimination communication. And basically the, the essence of it is, is that you, you, you learn to communicate with your baby. So we spent the first couple of weeks just kind of noticing what he would do when he would wee or poo. Um, and then around those times or when he was doing those signals, taking him or holding him over a potty when he was very little, obviously had to hold him. Now he can sit by himself, but, um, and he just pooed on the potty and we we're like, oh, 
okay, that worked. <laughs> and so for a long time, he'd do a little poo hand, like do a little like fist. And so every time he did the fist, we put him on the potty. And it's, it's said that, you know, from the couple of things I've read about it, <laughs> should have done more research, but it said that basically, you know, children are trying to communicate with us from the very beginning and they're ignored and, you know, we don't pay attention because we're, again, trying to mould them to speak our language, whether that be English, German, French, whatever. We want them to speak in the way that we speak, but they already speak. Like River spends all day talking. I just can't understand him because he's not speaking English. And so it's a way of trying to find different ways of, you know, we do different sign languages and things like that with him so that we can communicate knowing and empowering him that like he's communicating. It's just that when trying to learn his language, we're trying to force our language onto him. So elimination communication is a way of actually listening and observing the child and trying to empower them to be able to communicate like, hey, I need to go potty and boom. There they go. They go potty, and he's so much happier for it. You know, when he was a little bit more gassy and stuff went before we started doing it, and then once we started doing it, it's like his digestive system's just thriving. That's incredible. I love yeah. this so much. It's, it's just really, really cool. tapping into the intuition, which is seems to be a bit of a theme here for you, right? Because you know, I read a lot about your birthing story as just so captivating. Thank you so much for sharing that with the world, and um, for the listeners who. Um, who are not connected with Emma on Instagram, I'll drop her handle in here. Go ahead and read it. It's just so beautiful. And um, you were just really following your intuition the whole way, right? The whole way through your pregnancy, the whole way through your birthing. Um, And I just find that to be a rarity because again, we've been told that things need to go this way. And then when that happens, you do this. And, you know, even to the point with birthing in itself, the fact that uh, we are told to Mm. birth in a certain way is also something of a question. So how do you, how do you come into that state of knowing that deep state of intuitive knowing that you speak of so clearly? Yeah, I 100% have yoga to thank for that. It started for me, you know, I I found the practice of yoga at a really young age. I started doing asana um, when I was in high school purely because I hated doing sport. And so there was an option to go to a local gym and use the gym for sport. And then when I found out that you weren't allowed to just sit there and talk to your friends, get to do something, I'm like, okay, what seems like the easiest thing to do? Oh, yoga, great. (laughs) And so we were doing a five-hour yeah, like being this like, yeah, I don't know how old it was, but like 15-year-old back of the room giggling at this, you know, 70-year-old teacher doing a headstand because it was like in a gym in, you know, a country town. <laughs> Surprised they even had yoga, to be honest. Um, and so it kind of stuck with me though. I, I liked it as a movement practice and I didn't really like sport or that, you know, I was more of a drama kind of kid. So it, it, it kept pulling me back. And I went through university and, and got to the end of my studies and I was really, really sick. And I had um, basically had parasites that had gone undiagnosed for a year from traveling, um, picked them up in Thailand. They destroyed my digestive system. I think I weighed like 42 kilos, was covered in acne. Most of my hair had fallen out. Like I was a mess. And I kept going to the doctor and I'm like, so I was in Thailand and I got sick and then all this stuff happens. And they were like, look, we've bombed you with every single, like I was intravenously injected with antibiotics. They're like, there's no possible way it's from traveling. You've got bowel cancer. You've got this, you've got that. Like, so I'm doing all these tests and I'm like, no, something happened. 
at that moment in Thailand. And the only thing at the time that I could physically do was just go to restorative yoga classes because I was just a mess. And I, every time I would be in that class, there was this voice inside of me saying like, this is like this medical road that you're going down. This is not right. You know, you know what this is. You know, something happened on that Thailand trip. You know, you know, you know. And it was like this voice and I kept trying to silence it. And I kept doing all the things I thought I should do and spending insane amount of money on specialists and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, saying that I'd tried the natural road, but not really pursuing it. And yeah, it wasn't until I had some bioresonance, and, um, which is a theory, which is a um, system where they test different energies in your body against like homeopathic vials of parasites and things. And it's just like, you've got Giardia and a bacterial infection and it'll take, you know, two months to get rid of, but seven years to repair the damage you've done to your gut. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, so I was right. And so that was, I guess, the moment where my intuition was really confirmed. Like, you know, it, it, it just knew that that, as soon as she said that to me, it was like it landed and connected. Mm. And so that's when yoga for me really started to take that different um approach because I went from being like you know how flexible can I be and you know can I do the splits to okay wow I'm actually gaining something here that's beyond my current understanding mm. and that's when I started diving deeper into yoga philosophy and then um, meditation and and having direct experiences with that mm. and so for me you know I have a, a twice daily meditation practice now within from the Vedic tradition and every time I sit down to meditate it's like I don't have to force the intuition I'm just encouraging it by sitting down closing my eyes you know thinking my mantra connecting with that beingness inside of me a byproduct of that is that my intuition becomes just clearer and you know I, I notice it that if I consume too many you know um outside influences if I watch the news if I eat bad food all these kinds of things it it dims my ability to connect in and so the more aligned I stay the more you know clean my you know if you're looking from a yogic point of view it's like the cleaning your thoughts your body you know all that kind of stuff um the easier it is for me to stay in flow and in connection with that and so yeah, I guess for me in those moments where it's like, particularly, you know, using like pregnancy is a great example because we don't really learn about it until you're in that position or unless you've got a lot of friends that have been through it. And even then, you know, I had a few friends that had birthed before me and it was a very medical thing. And from that very first, I went to one GP and from that first appointment, I was like, nah, this, this doesn't feel right. And there's got to be like, what did I kept thinking? Like, what did women do before they had a hospital? Like, how how are people birthing in other countries and that's what it you know it's like this this curiosity stem kind of comes up within me or I like to call it like following charm something feels charming and I just move in that direction of like okay I'm gonna explore this and then that opens up something else and I keep coming back to just like the more I meditate the more that inner knowing becomes like the discernment's just there for me to just like, boom, that's, that's what we're doing. And it fit my whole body says, yes. Like I feel it in my being that, that, that is the right path. Wow. I love what you said about following charms. Uh, that just, it seems like something that you would want to do, right. When something feels charming and then you yeah. just go in that direction. And I, and I suppose if I'm in the minds of my listeners now, I can hear them asking like, but how, 
but <laughs> how, you know, like how is it that sitting in a meditation practice is going to connect me mm. with this intuition? And so I'm going to hand that question right <laughs> to you. <laughs> well, you know, to, I guess, reflect back your, 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 you know, most of your viewers, I'm assuming, are part of from the Western world. Yes. And the Western mind, I mean, it revels in process and outcome. Yeah. And, you know, KPIs and what are the 10 benefits of this to get me what I want? And, you know, it's, it's in the way everything's marketed to, marketed, you know, towards us. I used to work in marketing, so I also know. <laughs> and so we want that, like, outcome and that logic and that how and, you know, I always put it back to when I've gone and seen really, really amazing traditional Ayurvedic practitioners and you get there and they take your pulse and you're like, hey, tell me which, like, which dosha am I, you know, am I vata, pitta or kapha? Like, which box can I put myself into so I can go home and Google all the things? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they always are like, no, 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 no. You don't need to know that. Just, you know, for me, it was like, just eat less bananas and take these herbs and drink more warm water and off you go. And you're like, What? just paid like 200 bucks for you to, like, I want you to tell me all the things, you know, and we're so in our intellect and we end up with, you know, what's referred to as the mistake of the intellect in that we become so knowledge heavy that we're, you know, the way our education system is around the way, you know, I went to university and it's, and it's so knowledge driven, you know, you have to know the knowledge, but the inner knowing isn't encouraged. And so this is where you kind of have to like, bend your western rigid mindset and be open to something that's more abstract because intuition I guess from a from a from our more rigid mindset is a very abstract concept and it just you just know like that's that's all it is is that you just know in each moment exactly how to act in accordance with the flow of the universe of nature of whatever it is that's source whatever that you want to call it that's flowing through you and you can't get there by intellectualizing it and being in being in your head you have to come back to your heart and so this is where you know asana is is designed to kind of uh, quieten the noise to bring you into a meditative space to connect you inwards and, and this is where i think the more subtler practices of yoga of breath work become really really powerful tools for connecting you inwards and so if you force it that's not flow. You know, if you're intellectualizing it, that's not being in in flow, that's friction. And so it's like, I think for most people, it's, it's letting go more. It's surrendering more, surrender, surrender, surrender. Like you just putting it into the fire and letting it burn and burn and burn and burn away until you're left with just like the purity of everything. And that's an abstract concept and, you know, for a lot of my students, they're like, how do I do it? I'm like, just meditate. Like, but, but like, can I also read this book or can I listen to this podcast? And I'm like, yeah, you can. But if you want to get to the place, you just have to meditate twice a day to show up with discipline, like your tapas, your, you know, just show up, do the practice, you know, like, you know, practice all is coming as that, you know, the famous yogi quote goes, it's, it's the same thing. It's like you show up, you do the work and it happens as a byproduct. Mm. You, know, you can't just read a book and get there. No, God, no. And um, I love what you said about, uh, you know, using mantra as a, as a tool, because this is one beautiful way which you can focus mm. in the mind. And it is a mind tool, right? So you're just constantly focusing in on that word, that phrase, and uh, in so doing, your body settles into the practice itself. Yeah. And 
yeah, I think showing up is the hardest part. And I think what we, what we like to do is give ourselves all of the things that are seemingly to the outsider more difficult. You know, it would seem that it's more challenging to read a book and to listen to this 10 part series about meditation than it is just to show up and meditate. (laughs) But actually it's much more challenging to show up for yourself, for your practice every morning, whether it be for 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And that is where you start to really come home to yourself. It's the showing up. Yeah. And we, you know, we live in a society that's very much a pill for every ill. And, Mm. you know, you look at like the supplements industry, you look at all the, even the wellness industry, it's like, what, what yoga mat can I buy to make my practice better? You know, it's like, what props can I have to be more flexible? Well, just do this thing. You know, it's, we, we very much want to outsource everything or buy something to, to cure it rather than actually sitting with it you know for a lot of us there's a lot of stuff that we're carrying in our nervous systems and we're afraid to feel and you have to feel it to heal it and I think that we're on we're at this precipice moment in time where people are are really being almost forced into still quite literally forced into stillness and that's very confronting for a lot of people because it's so much easier to be busy it's so much easier to push things down to just, you know, uh, later, 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 I'll deal with it later. And then usually it's some, you know, for me, it was getting sick, which I'm lucky that was quite a young age that, that led, you know, to this um, path that I'm on now. But for most people, it's they push till they get to a breaking point and then suddenly have that realization of like, oh, wow, okay, now I've you know, got to go on my whole eat, pray, love journey to basically end up sitting on my couch twice a day meditating when, could have saved myself a lot of suffering if I had just skipped in all of our journeys, I guess. Yeah, so true. And, you know, it just reminds me of what you said right in the beginning about, you know, when children are born, when babies are born, and then we try and fit them into our mold. And in so doing, we're separating them from their own feelings and we're telling them what to feel and how to feel. And if that does happen at such a young age, we just don't know any different and so we grow up we become adults we start adulting and we don't know what it's like to feel (laughs) we don't know what it's like to feel and so when we do start feeling we become really scared and agitated with the fact that we're feeling and this is where this whole you know trying to soothe ourselves through the mental activity trying to find more information and and trying to distract ourselves you know whether it be with shopping or netflix or booze or whatever it is to the point where we're not actually moving towards the stimuli whatever that may be and this is this you know this is the real pandemic (laughs) this is the real (laughs) epidemic that we're facing now is this now this now here moment where everybody is supposed to be still like the earth is beckoning it you know it's the whole world on a global scale has been asked to stop and be still and yet there's still this butting up against this inability for stillness so if ever there was a time for us to quieten down the mind turn off the television put the cell phones off you know the the mobiles and just come back into stillness now's the time we have the space yeah, 100%. And I think that a lot of people are getting that and a lot of people aren't. And 
you know, I speak to a lot of people now that are so hung up on like when things go back to normal and when I can go back to, and it's like, that's not how evolution works. <laughs> you don't go back. Like consciousness doesn't de-evolve. It's only, it's a forward moving momentum. So you're just going to inflict more and more suffering on yourself if you don't have the ability to just like let it go, you know, in, um, in India, I remember doing hours and hours of, of fire ceremonies of yagyas and you know you say a mantra and then you throw something into the fire and you say swaha which is basically like to let it go transform it and so I just you know I feel like that's what we need to do all day every day in life is just constantly swaha 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 let it go put it into the fire allow it to transform because our rigid attachment is what's making us unhappy and people are so rigidly attached to the life they had and I get it like the grieving process sucks it's You've got to allow yourself to feel, to be able to heal, to grieve, to, you know, to go through that. But that's where liberation lies. You know, if you're rigidly attached to something, you will be unhappy because you can't hold on to something forever. Like you don't, it doesn't exist. It's not possible. You can't, nothing stays the same. Consciousness is always evolving. Change is the only constant. And yet it's the thing that we as a human race are so resistant to and yet the world is changing, you know, at such a rapid pace. And we're just clinging onto what we feel like is our safety raft. And if nothing changes, then I'll be okay. And it's like, well, what if we just learn how to be okay with change and how to be in the flow of things and, you know, to live, to live intuitively and to live into your heart for me is like being able to be in the canoe and follow the flow of the river as opposed to just like being with the paddle going upstream, like, no. <laughs> and that's when we're where we end up suffering because we're we're so rigidly attached to an idea to how we think our life should should be to what we think we're entitled to and this is my life story and I want to live it this way rather than being open to transformation being open to change being open to possibility and and allowing nature to move through us and know that it's leading to a really beautiful place if we allow it to. But if we just keep blocking it and blocking it, then karmically we're stuck on this like hamster wheel and we're just going to keep doing these karmic loops over and over and over again till we actually learn the lesson, let it go and move forward. Mm. And all of this is just done through meditation. I mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it sounds so simple because it is, and it's also challenging, but it's not. It's, you know, these two very opposing forces that come together so beautifully, just like the yin and yang, right? Mm. And uh, we can become more intuitive and more in attuned to nature by simply being in meditation. It's that simple. And I know that you are, you know, such a big advocate for it, as you've mentioned. So how do you manage that with a a seemingly was a newborn? I mean, your practice up, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like that's been my, it's my number one parenting hack because 20 minutes of meditation twice a day, the deep rest for my nervous, like regardless of anything else, just the deep rest on my nervous system is just you know, it's better than me trying to fall asleep for an hour and then get woken up. And, you know, uh, they say nap when the baby naps. It's like, it's not really, it doesn't work. You just feel groggy and awful. Um, and so, you know, I'm lucky that my partner's also a meditation teacher um, and committed to his practice as well. So for us, it, it's very much a non-negotiable and we just tag team. It's, it's, it's 20 minutes, right? So 
sorry if that microphone's banging um so it's it's you know technically 40 minutes out of our morning that we just one of us gets up a little earlier whoever kind of woke up it's like uh yep your turn and they'll go into the other room and meditate and then we'll switch and then you know we have breakfast and we get on with the rest of our day and then same in the evening or the afternoon we kind of just find that little window when either you know he's napping or um you know one of us isn't working or whatever it is and and we just support each other in that so that's kind of I guess the number one like non-negotiable for us because we know that we're better humans we're better parents we're better partners um if we have that practice daily Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and do you offer any online meditation practices or courses that our listeners can jump to yeah so um we have an online studio called flow state studios and we teach a three-day learn to meditate course Uh, we learn a mantra-based technique um and we do them usually once a month or depending on demand um, twice within the month. So we have like a little intro talk. You can come along to for free, learn about it. And then we have the course. Um, and then I also have a course on Insight Timer and I have a few meditations, guided meditations on Insight Timer, but the course is specifically for pregnancy. So for mothers to essentially do a little bit of an inner journey um, as they kind of go on that transition from maiden to mother. And it's very much, it's very much the yogic teachings woven through um, the journey that we go on towards um, becoming a mother. So it's it's a more of a series of, there's a brief, um, I guess, kind of lecture at the beginning and then a practice um, to do, whether it be a guided meditation or a journaling practice or something like that. So yeah, there's a few different ways in which we're bringing this practice to the world. I love it. I'm going to link them all in the show notes so that everyone can go ahead and join you meditating. Thanks. Thank you so much for being here with me and with us. It's been such a joy speaking with you. Gosh, I've learned so much about um, the ways in which this conscious parenting uh, is is becoming such a, a beautiful way to now bring new traditions, new ways of being into our community. So thank you for sharing that with us. No worries. Thanks for having me on. You can find out more about the work that I do at ariana.com.au. I hang out mostly on Instagram these days. So if you want to catch up with me in real time, my handle is at Ariana Pinar. And of course, if you found this episode thought-provoking and unraveling in ways that make you feel all the feels, then be sure to share it with those who you think will love it too. Also, subscribe to the show so that you're notified of all new episodes as they drop. And again, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Until next time. Bye for now.